This is the School Success Podcast, a podcast for school leaders to learn from other school leaders what's working and what's not, and to get inspiration and encouragement, as well as strategies to grow school enrollment, connect with families, retain teachers, recruit teachers, and everything in between. You guys are heroes, and I cannot thank you enough for pouring into this next generation that's coming behind us. My goal is you will take at least one thing away from every episode that you can take back to your school to make it better than it is right now. Please enjoy the School Success Podcast. Hey, School Success Makers, welcome to another edition of the School Success Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Slater. I'm joined by a new friend out of the St. Louis, Missouri area, Noah Brink. And he has been doing a lot of things, guys. He's been past head of school. He's on a board of directors. He's a published author. He's been in the education space for a long time, and he loves helping schools. And so as him and I were talking, I was like, man, he's got to come on and speak to these school leaders that we have listening to the podcast and just give some encouragement, give some ideas and strategies that he's done and worked uh, with all these schools that he's done. And I was like, this is gonna be fun. So we're gonna dive into all that in just a minute, but I am gonna highlight our sponsors before we jump into today's episode. And that is America's Christian Credit Union. This year, they're celebrating 65 years of service and they are providing essential school banking services and an awesome tuition financing program for schools that are looking to reduce their risk and administrative burden. Because if you're a school right, right now that has to chase people all year round to have them pay their tuition at the end of the year, Maybe you've only collected 95%, 98% of what is owed to you in tuition dollars. You're obviously missing a ton of revenue out there, and their tuition financing program keeps that from happening. Their families, you can have your families go get a tuition financing loan for America's Christian Credit Union, and then you get your money up front as a school from get the get-go, and it doesn't cost your school anything. So it's a win-win for everybody involved. You need to check it out, americaschristiancu.com forward slash schools. That's americaschristiancu.com forward slash schools. All right, well, as we jump into today's episode, I'm going to pass it off to Noah to introduce himself. Noah, welcome to the podcast, sir. Yeah, thanks, Mitchell. Um, it is an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, I never really thought that I would be in this space. Um, as Mitchell mentioned, I've been doing Christian education in various components, um, I guess, for more than a couple decades, but I'm an alumnus. Uh, my father actually taught at a Christian school for 49 years. So I grew up at a Christian wow. school and uh, went all the way through uh, college and grad school. And personally, as a teacher and coach, um, administrator, and for the most uh, recent past, I've been serving as an interim head of school. And most immediately after my book, Jesus Above School, came out, um, several people encouraged me to say, how can I help more schools than the actual schools that I've worked with as a head of school? Um, and this is a new endeavor for me. I, uh, I'm all in on Christian education. I tell people I've drunk the Christian education Kool-Aid and I, I love it. There's nowhere I'd rather be. Um, but currently, yeah, I, I am here in St. Louis. One of my hopes is to see St. Louis become what I refer to as an epicenter of gospel renewal for our Christian schools and to focus here, but also uh, pour into the Christian schools around the country and elsewhere. So I'm thrilled to be able to get to know you and get to know the people that listen to your podcast. 
Love it. Well, I always start with the same the same first little fun question is sure. if I was to visit you in St. Louis, what would you say, Mitchell, you got to have this food and you got to go do this <laughs> tourist thing. What would that, what would that be? Yeah. Well, I, I would actually tell you what to stay away from. Um, so when people come to St. Louis, uh, there is a specific St. Louis uh, type of pizza. We have our own cheese that I've never experienced anywhere else. It's called Provel, and I'm not a fan. Um, now, St. Louis, you know, so we do have our own sort of St. Louis style pizza. My wife is from the Chicago area, so I'm biased towards Chicago style pizza. Uh, St. Louis pizza is not something that I would say is at the top of my list, um, but we have a part of St. Louis called the Hill. It's a historic Italian part of St. Louis, fabulous Italian restaurants here in St. Louis that um, really do some pretty amazing uh, food. So that's what I would say. Go to the Hill, get some good Italian food and uh, you won't regret it. Uh, and then like what, what to do. So especially if you have a family, uh, I would say if you ever come to St. Louis, St. Louis has more free stuff than any other city in the country, second only to D.C. Um, a, a very robust history of philanthropy because of the Anheuser-Busch company. Um, so our zoo is free. Our art museum is free. Our history museum is free. Our science museum is free. It's really a wonderful sort of family-centered city in that regard. But one of the museums that's not free, now it's called a museum, the, the city museum. It's this dystopian um, playpen. Um, and it's not just great for kids, it's great for adults. And whenever people come, I say, let's go to the city museum and we'll spend a whole day there. And kids are crawling all over rebar. And I mean, it, there's a, a bus dangling off the top of the building. And it is unlike anything you've ever seen, but uh, it's one of the, the joys of St. Louis. Wow. Well, I've always heard it's great with food and I yeah. did not know about the museum. So it yeah. sounds like my wife and I should take a trip to St. Louis and get You a, should. You should. I like it. I love it. Well, let's, uh, let's dive into the, I have a couple questions for you. Nothing sure. crazy, but you've been in education for a while. You've worked with some schools. I'd love to hear some of the common challenges that you've heard pop up. Maybe maybe time and time again, or some really unique ones that you've seen and how these schools are combating them, how you've seen yeah. that they combat them. Um, I guess most specifically, and, and, you know, I think it's both a challenge and, you know, sometimes these challenges and opportunities, they overlap and schools, I feel like if you can be able to recognize challenges and opportunities and see where that overlap is, you can really do some pretty amazing things. So, I kind of think in terms of both at, at once. Um, so for instance, here in St. Louis, we have a wonderful um, association for Christian schools. It's called the Christian School Association of St. Louis. And these 10 schools, um, they meet together, the heads of school meet every other month. And um, they actually even co, many of those schools co-own a, um, a resale shop where they share profits together. Um, to the tune of fifty or sixty thousand dollars each per year. Um, there's some really cool things, and it's a great opportunity for heads to sort of bounce ideas off each other. Um, so there's this healthy network, but it's it's only for us this specific ten schools in St. Louis, and there are other schools in St. Louis that aren't part of this association. 
So I do appreciate that network, but one of the things that I've been noticing here in St. Louis and elsewhere is there's a tendency, a little bit of a tendency to compete over different slivers of the pie of families that are interested in Christian education. And typically, um, one school is kind of the it school within the CSASL or within the city among Christian schools. And it's almost like the detriment of the others. It kind of ebbs and flows that one school's enrollment's really high and the other's low. And that can almost cause competition within the body of Christ. Here are these schools that are supposed to be rooting for each other. But it's easy when you have a lot of Christian schools in the city to almost kind of see each other as rivals. Now, I don't think that's happening uh, directly, but you know, subconsciously, you almost kind of, how can we get these kids? How can we position ourselves? And one of the things that the current, what I would say, the school that's uh, where my children go happens to be the school that probably has the most robust enrollments. They have a massive waiting list. But part of what the head of school would say there, um, and my wife's a board member at that school, and so I'm always hearing about some of the decisions they've made um, strategically. About seven years ago, the head of school kind of drew a line in the sand and said, we're not just going to be a Christian school. We're going to be a very specific type of Christian school. It's highly outdoorsy, highly experiential. They're doing some really cool things with their integral curriculum. And because it's been so distinctive, it's become very appealing to families where and there's data out there that suggests that if you want a strong enrollment, one of the things you need to produce is high predictability for what you're going to be producing. Well, these families come to Covenant Christian School in St. Louis, and they know what type of Christian school it is. It's very clearly defined the sort of Christian school it is. And I think that within this, if you look at the different Christian schools in a community as parts of a larger kingdom of God, unless you have a willingness for the different schools to truly sort of double down on their distinctives, there is that tendency to compete over different slivers of the pie. But if the schools can actually say, here's who we are, like, and this is the romantic in me, what would it look like if, if within a community, a larger committee like a St. Louis or other cities where you have a Charlotte Mason school, maybe some classical schools, a traditional, uh, maybe covenantal model school, a, a traditional evangelistic model school, some that are larger schools, some that are smaller schools, maybe one that's a little Montessori, one that's outdoorsy, and be absolutely unapologetic about who you are as a school. And then you're not competing over things, but you're actually rooting for each other and willing to say, we're not trying to be all things for all people. We know who we are. And then we can start rooting for each other within the body of Christ and I, I see that where you're no longer competing over individual slivers of the pie. You actually can start growing the size of the pie because you're all in it together and celebrating that together as a community. Man, that's a huge challenge. If people are competing, and I, I know that happens, obviously, it's super mm -hmm. common. Uh, if you were to, so for those that are listening, if they feel like there is a you know, many competitors in their area that maybe they're not as friendly with them as they should be or will, you know, want to be, do you recommend them reaching out and trying to have like making their own little 
like monthly coffee gathering? Is that probably the best way to start? Like to try and just be friends with all the private schools, public schools in your area? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and and we have that organization with the independent schools as well here in St. Louis. St. Louis has tons of independent schools. And then there's a smaller subset of the being the Christian schools. But, you know, and, and once again, I've had some unique uh, experiences. At one point in my journey, I was trying to help some different schools through transitional periods. And for two years, I was the head of school at Central Christian School, which is this beautifully diverse urban school right in the center of St. Louis. And my kids went to this school out in the far out suburbs, this outdoorsy school where they currently go. And it was this unique thing where I told the school, I don't want to bring my children over just for an interim situation. And families would come to me and they would say, what is it like to have your kids at one Christian school but to be the interim head at another Christian school is their tension to sort of root for both. And I said, absolutely not. But the reason it was, it was easy to root for both is because Central Christian School is very different from Covenant Christian School. And they both know who they are. And so I could say to a family, if you're interested in something that has kind of this urban, um, very diverse feel to it, then by all means, Central Christian School is the school for you. But if you want something that's kind of outdoorsy and you want your kids climbing trees and, you know, is maybe a little more loosey-goosey, then Covenant Christian School. And, and to be able to truly root for each other, I don't see that when there's this pressure to make sure you have healthy enrollments. Man, you, and I, you nailed it on the head, I feel like. So the... If we can get rid of the competition in education, which I know is, is rampant everywhere, I think it'd be better for everybody involved, especially the students and the guilt. I feel like what I've seen is the when that starts, then there's people feel guilty. There's like the guilty, like, well, I guess I'm not as good as them because I don't have that. Or I guess my, I'm, I'm not able to provide my kids with this education. And there's this huge guilt trip that starts to happen, which is obviously super not healthy either. Is that something you've also seen? Is there like a guilt factor that kind of happens when that when that is rampant? I think so, because at the end of the day, we don't want, you know, you, you don't want to benefit off someone else's misery, right? I mean, that's not what it looks like to, I think, to, for me, from a Christian perspective, to be living in God's kingdom. Um, you want to root for other schools and, and actually not just root for other Christian schools, but to root for the independent secular schools, to root for the public schools and to want to see them flourish. Because from my standpoint, if the city of St. Louis, I mean, it's very much kind of this Jeremiah 29 perspective of seek the welfare of the city. I mean, if the city does well, then it's more likely for your individual school to do well. And, you know, if your individual school can do well, you can actually pour into the city. But there's that tendency where you like, you want to see your school flourish, but does it have to be at the detriment of others? So what would it look like to actually develop networks and maybe even bring churches into that so that the local churches are sort of helping schools sift through healthy networks where they truly are benefiting each other and doing so without apology? Yeah, so it sounds like those that are listening, let's uh, if you don't have a local association that you're a part of, and maybe even if you are a part of a local association and you haven't already done this, reach out to some of the local schools that are in your area and just try to get together for coffee. Maybe it's a once a month thing, super casual, buy some donuts, 
and get together and just chat about what's going on at their school. I'm sure just like what my goal is for this podcast is you're able to like to learn one thing. Each episode, take something that you can take back to your school. And maybe it's one of these meetings once a month. You're taking something back from like this, this uh, Christian school, this non-Christian school that you can take back that you can make your school better. Cause that's really what the whole goal is of all of this. Absolutely. Hey, school success makers, just a really quick break to highlight one of our amazing sponsors, and that is ClassReach. Now, ClassReach supports schools of all sizes from application to graduation. Take charge of your school with ease, power, and mobility using ClassReach, the school management software administrators and teachers love using. You can get your free demo at ClassReach.com. That's ClassReach.com. They are amazing people and they provide this amazing SIS software for you to keep track of your students, grades, communicating with families that are enrolled and a whole bunch more. So again, check it all out on their website, classreach.com. They are awesome. All right, now back to the show. So let's talk about challenges. What's going good? Have you seen some things that are really thriving in schools, things that maybe even you've helped implement for some schools, but any quick wins that, you, that you're seeing out there? I mean, I think what I what I mentioned when I say uh, wins, well, obviously, I think a big part of it is, you know, like I say, the school, for instance, where my kids go, my wife is a board member. By drawing that line in the sand, once again, I referenced it was about seven years ago or so ago. The school has an unprecedented waiting list and the enrollment is is so healthy. And one of the things that the school actually did and I attend the church there and my children go there. And because I work also sort of part-time with the church, I have a lot of interaction with our head of school. His name is John Roberts. But one of the things that John and the board decided, this was several years ago, they decided to do a building uh, campaign. The school was in the basement of the church, which was odd. The school was highly outdoorsy and yet the school's in the basement. So there's no natural light. So they decided we need to actually sort of come out of the basement, have a school that fits the ethos of the, the, the school. The facility should fit the philosophy. And a lot of people said, so are you going to expand the school to multiple sections? And what they said is actually, no, we're not. We are going to, to have a building campaign. And the school was very successful in raising the money for that very quickly. Um, but people were kind of surprised, like, here you are, you raised $6 million very quickly. Why not grow the school? And they said, actually, that would cause us to veer from who we are as a school. Now, I tend to think about some churches will do similar things where a church will say, we're experiencing growth. And then they add services and then they start continuing to grow and whatever else. And then people look back years later and say, we don't really like the culture here. It doesn't feel like it used to. And then they, there, it creates some, some tension. There are other school, there are other churches that what they've done is they've said, we believe that 500 or let's say 400, that once we get to that sort of critical mass, rather than growing or building, we're going to plant a church because we realize once we get bigger than that, we're no longer ourselves. And our school here said, for instance, our sixth graders, they go on a field trip every single week. That's part of the program. Well, if you have multiple sections, you can't really do that very well. And as a result, what the school says, we are going to double down on who we are and actually begin to explore. So for instance, you, you have sometimes church planting churches. 
what would it look like to think in terms of being a school planting school that rather than grow the size of school and maybe lose our identity, which could make us weak long-term, that it's better to protect our identity and explore how could we maybe maybe plant schools or bring someone like me in to help with the planting rather than compromising our identity. And as a result, there's energy. And, and this is a lot of these things are happening very quickly in St. Louis. We have a school plant. I'm not planting it, but I'm working with this school plant. And some of the families that were on our waiting list at Covenant, once they heard about this new plant, they're like, oh, this is, this is a natural fit. And I think that's, once again, that's where you have a healthy network of Christian schools where you pour into those schools to help them define their distinctives and be absolutely unapologetic about your distinctives. And rather than feeling this pressure to grow, 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 to be true to who you are and say, rather than compromising that, why not explore planting and planting schools in neighborhoods that don't have accessible options? I think that's better for the city and it's better for those individual schools rather than this, well, the natural trajectory of schools, we think of a healthy school is to get bigger. I would say the natural trajectory of a healthy school is to be absolutely unapologetic about who you are and be willing to explore other options rather than to compromise that. Man. And I mean, they've said it, we've said it on the podcast before and had guests talk about it. It, I know a lot of times we just, we want to grow and there's like this, this negative feeling of when people have to go, Oh, my school's only 150 students. People are like, Oh, well, mine's 800 students. Like that, that is automatically better. I mean, you got so many more challenges. I feel like when you get the bigger, you, you might be good at 300 students just because you have, you're good at 300 and you get to 500 doesn't mean you can scale that easily. It just adds so many different new challenges to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I just heard of an organization last week, I think it was, and they they help they help schools start and and handle all their their stuff. And again, I'm, I'm still learning about them, but they're doing all these things, and their goal yeah. is like they want to keep these schools between one 100 and 130 ish, 150. Like they said, any bigger than that, it just they'd rather the the school split and do mm-hmm. a, a plant somewhere else because it just adds so many challenges and they have like 20 something schools they help with that. I thought that was so interesting, that number. And they have every school buy into that, that vision of, Hey, we get that big, we're just going to help plan another campus for the school. But that takes a lot of discipline and that's countercultural. Hmm, man. Well, if a school's listening right now and they are, maybe they're in the process like, Oh, we're going to, we're growing. We need to build a building. We need to grow and, and, you know, that's the next step. Would you say, you know, I think there's pros and cons to each option, but kind of how would you coach somebody or strategize them through that to go, Hey, I like do that. Or actually, you know what, keep your school the way it is, open up another campus across town. That's just separate completely, or maybe a part of the campus. Like, what do you, how do you decide how to do that? Well, I mean, this once again, I mean, you know, full disclosure, I, I tend to think in terms of the model that Jesus gave the church. Um, I can't, not think that way. That's just the way God, God, uh, built me. Um, you know, healthy churches, often what they do is they develop their leaders to send them out. Um, but what I would say, if I were to work with a school is I think that the board and the administration needs to ask some very strategic questions. What is the size of school that is the ideal size for you to meet 
your instructional curricular and programmatic objectives. Like, and to be unapologetic and, you know, to not say this is a good or a bad thing, but say, this is actually what it looks like to have clear vision. Like, you know, do you need to be a hundred students per grade level in order to do what you do well? And may, or maybe say, if you were a hundred students per grade level, what's gained and what's lost? Um, increasingly, now my background has been primarily in schools of a thousand-ish students. Um, but for the sort of school that I prefer, I, I actually am wondering if that may be too big for me. Hmm. Not for every school, but for school leaders to say, considering our philosophy of education, like, and once again, I, I see a lot of Christian schools that don't have clearly written philosophies of instruction, philosophies of learning. Like what, what does learning look like in your context? What does instruction look like in your context? What does excellence look like in your context? And to ask some of those questions and then to say, and what is the enrollment that we need in order for us to be the best version of that? And once you answer that question, don't apologize about that. If it's the, if the cap that you perceive is 50 students per grade level, then say that's our objective and anything bigger than that would cause us to deter from who we are. And I think that's a healthy thing. And then if it gets to a point where you say, we're starting to push up against that, rather than holding, you know, maybe some of these administrators, administrators, up and coming administrators and keeping them to yourself, why not train them to, to send them out? Hmm. Um, that's very much, I'm deeply influenced by a, perspective of Psalm 127, where it's like, blessed is the man that has a quiver full of arrows, you know, and it's like the whole reason God entrusts us with these arrows, these tools he's given us is to send them out, not just to keep a quiver full of sharp things, but to sharpen them because they're meant to be sent out. And I don't think that's necessarily just the case with our students. I also think that's the case with maybe our administrators and our teachers to prepare them and sharpen them and to think outward facing because once again, we all know the dangers of always being internally minded. Yeah. There needs to be a healthy uh, combination of both being internally minded, but also being outward facing as well. Man, our church here that we go to does, a, I feel like I've done a really good job with this. So they're multi, it's technically a mega church, but multi-site mm -hmm. campuses. And so there's one specific campus, the pastor that um, he since now has retired, but multiple campus pastors have come yep. from his church. Like he would just whatever. And he was just a campus pastor too. He's not the senior pastor or anything, but he was just really good at developing people and getting them ready for that next level. And I think three new pastors have come from his campus. Mm. And every time there, there's always a, a, in a good way, a split, like they take that person goes and people come with him to help start the next campus. And so his church is always getting like trimmed, but they, he saw that as his mission of like, this is who I am. I'm helping to build up these leaders to go start different campuses and then we'll get another person in and build them up. And I know that's gotta be really hard. Like just like going, Oh man, here goes another one, but that was his vision for it. Mm -hmm. And I love to see that in this. I'd love to see that in a school side of like that mindset. And I know we don't want to miss lose the great people that we've worked to, to right. develop, but how maybe it's their time to go start something new and, and continue to grow. I love that. So I want you to plug your book before we uh, ask you my final question. So tell sure. us, like, you already mentioned it, but like what all is your book about? And why should somebody buy it? Um, so my book is entitled Jesus Above School. Um, it's, it's available anywhere you find books. Um, 
both audio or um, eBooks or written. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, it's on Apple Books. Um, and the the goal of my book, actually, it it came out of a years long process. So when I used to work at a school in Tennessee, I was teaching our faculty a faculty development class that was required for all of our teachers. It was a 25 hour course that we realized as a school, we needed to establish sort of a common vocabulary. Um, you have these teachers that come to the Christian school and they hear we're supposed to teach from a Christian worldview. And that means a lot of different things to a lot of people. And we have all of these sort of Christian lingo terms like image of God and, um, you know, doing things for God's glory. And, you know, well, what does that mean in your school context? And as a school, we felt this need that we need to institutionalize some of those terms. And then once we have a common vocabulary, we can really grow as a faculty. And it allowed us to have robust professional development that we could say, we all have a common understanding. When we talk about the image of God, we know what we're dealing with here. And now we can do stuff with that. So I was teaching that years and years ago and people kept saying, someday you need to put this into a book. And, and that's actually what my book is. It's a, it's a framework of questions and categories that's designed to help teachers sort of establish a common vocabulary, but to give them some practical tools. So regardless of what you're teaching, here's what it looks like to teach from a Christian worldview. And um, in the book, I refer to myself as a recovering Christian school alumnus. I love Christian schooling, but I also know that there's a lot of things that in Christian schooling uh, we do without really thinking, why are we doing it? It's just, we just think that's what Christian schools are supposed to do and be. And my sort of unstated thesis in the book, but it's alluded to in the book, is that I fear that if we're not careful, many of our Christian schools are trying to produce a bunch of students that don't think they need Jesus any longer. That the goal of Christian education is not to produce students that are adequate because Jesus says, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. It's actually to help students see their deep, profound need for Jesus and to construct an educational philosophy built around need and gratitude, that that's why we're learning. We're not learning because if we learn these things, that somehow makes us acceptable. We're learning because we know that God has intervened and that God has done these things. And we learn as a response to what he's already accomplished. That's what it looks like to live in light of the gospel. So the, the subtext of my book is uh, a, frame, a worldview framework for navigating the collision between the gospel and Christian schools. And I think that there is a little bit of a, co a collision because the gospel turns everything upside down. And so my book tries to encourage teachers and school administrators to take some of those risks that would be involved with actually thinking through the gospel and being willing to turn things upside down. That's awesome. Well, thank you for plugging that. So Jesus sure. Above School, check it out on, on Amazon or some of the other different bookstores you said, book Barnes & Noble, Amazon, uh, it's all there? Yep, absolutely. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you for plugging that. And it's perfect segue into the last question I have for you, which I know you'll have fun with. If you were to share a piece of advice with the school leaders listening, what would that piece of advice be? Yeah, in, in ways I already kind of teed that up with the last thing I said about my book. Be willing to take the risks of thinking through what difference does the gospel make in the life of your school? Mm -hmm. um, on some level, if we take some of those risks, we say, well, that may, that may turn some people away. And 
that could be true in the life of our schools, where whenever you double down and say, well, this is the type of Christian school we're going to be, it could cause some teachers to, to leave and it could cause some parents to leave. But I think in the end, what you'll see is that that gives families and teachers and onlookers this security because they know who the school is. And and at times I see a lot of leaders that are scared of making some of those hard decisions because they say, if we do that, then people will leave and we try to be all things for all people. The Christian school or any school for that matter that tries to be all things for all people, well, we need to add that thing because the other school has it. What I would say is rather than trying to just do all the things, be the best version of yourself and be willing to take the risks associated with that. And temporarily, you may see some enrollment decline, but I think that if you ever want to have long-term health, you've got to be willing to go through some of those pains. Mm. That's good, Ron Noah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing this. Thank you for taking time and being on the podcast. Thank you for all you're doing for Christian education and just education in general. Um, Wishing you nothing but the best as you continue to pour into these schools and these students and um, everything you're doing. I just, I love it. And I want to come to St. Louis and see what else else you're doing and uh, check out it out. So thank you just very much for coming on the podcast today and taking time out of your day. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. It has been an absolute joy. Well, another huge shout out and I thank you to Noah for taking time and being on the podcast today. I love what he's doing to help Christian schools and I'm wishing him nothing but the best as he continues to do what he's doing there in the St. Louis area. So Noah, thanks for being on the podcast today. I appreciate it, man. We have some great resources for you at School Success and I want you guys to go check them out. The first one's on our website, schoolsuccessmakers.com. There's a newsletter that's called the School Success Report launching this fall. And as you guys are listening to this, it should already be launched. And it is in the top right corner when you go to the website, schoolsuccessmakers.com. I want to make sure you guys sign up for that. It's going to give some great articles, information. We're going to have some giveaways and fun highlights, shout outs, a whole bunch of cool stuff in that. we've The team has been working really hard on that. We want to make sure you guys don't miss out. So the School Success Report, check it out on our website. We also have a private Facebook community just for school leaders on Facebook, of course, called School Success Makers. We'd love you to join there. I am personally in there. I'd love to personally see you in there as well. Get to know you, get to know your school, what you guys are doing, what your favorite thing about school and least favorite thing about school, all that fun stuff and all the things in between. All right. We have some great content coming out for you guys in future episodes. We want to make sure you stay connected. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. And if you love our content, we would love to also get a five-star review from you and please share it on your social media. Give us a tag. We'd love to also reshare you guys sharing us. That would mean the absolute world to me. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the community. And I think that's it. We'll be back here next week with another amazing guest as usual on the School Success Podcast. We'll see you then.